Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey. Coming up. I never imagined this person would be deceased. So many unanswered questions that I had for him that I could never ask or get answers. For Vault Studios, I'm Will Johnson. You're listening to The Daily Crime. Uh, I remember uh, coming back out to the scene that night after I got off uh, from work. And I worked with uh, Detective uh, Thomas, uh, Thomas Townsley, who was the first detective for this case. And we stayed out in the woods digging holes, looking for evidence uh, all of that night. And then um, uh, he worked the case up until the time he died uh, back in uh, 2017. But all these other detectives have put their heart and souls into this case. And it just goes to show you how committed uh, the Atlanta Police Department is to solving cases. And uh, it's not just a a number to us, it's something that we uh, put our hearts and souls into every time we work a case. In Atlanta, police have solved two cold cases and leaked both to one suspect. One case, the rape and murder of a 14-year-old girl in 1995, and the second, the rape of a 13-year-old girl in 2004. The victim of that second attack and the mother of the victim in the 1995 murder have formed a bond and are speaking out about the latest developments. But the news is bittersweet for both of them. I'm mad that I didn't get that opportunity to face him, to look him in his eyes and have him look at me and relive and to face me. Want to teach your kids financial literacy but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com odyssey. I'm joined by Brittany Klein-Peter, a reporter at WXIA 11 Alive in Atlanta, Georgia. Thanks for being here, Brittany. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to be here. Brittany, tell us what we know about that first case, the rape and murder of a 14-year-old girl in 1995, more than two and a half decades ago. Yeah, so Nicole Smith, she was 14 at the time. She was walking to school with her sister, and I believe there was another friend with them, and they were in middle school And her mom told us she was just a few weeks actually away from graduating. So she was about to go to high school, but they were walking to middle school um, in this area, Campbellton Road, Northwest Atlanta, and she had forgotten assignments. So she ran home. I don't think they were too far from the home, but there was an apartment complex that had a wooded area and she kind of ran around the side of it. And that's where police say that she was confronted by an armed man. He, uh, ended up raping her. And they said that they believe there was a struggle between Nicole and that armed man because he ended up shooting her twice in the face. But they think that it it happened after her kind of wrestling with him to get the gun away. And again, this is going back 
decades and a case involving a 14-year-old girl. Was there any evidence or leads at the time that put police on to a suspect? So at the time, they they did collect um, DNA evidence and all of that from the scene, but everything was so early on back then that they really didn't have a suspect um, until nine years later when there was another rape, and that's where they had a match of DNA. But at the time, no one was um, of interest. And that case nine years later was Betty Brown, and she was raped at age 13. Tell us what we know about her story. Yeah, so Betty Brown was raped almost in that same area. It was just a few miles away from that Campbellton Road area. Um, So it appears that he kept going back to that area. She was walking in the area, and he confronted her, raped her. She got away, though, so he didn't end up killing her. Uh, ran to authorities, they collected DNA evidence, and that's where they found that it was the same DNA that was found in Nicole Smith's murder. So they identified the DNA, but they didn't have the name of a suspect, right? Correct. They, they had no name. They had no means to figure out who this guy was. They just knew that they had a match, that this was the same person. Over time, there were investigators, is my understanding, who stayed very close to this case and stayed close to Betty Brown also and and kept in touch with her through the years. Yeah, and that was the thing. It was so widespread. So you had the the East uh, Police Department, um, East Atlanta Police Department working Betty Brown's case. And then you had APD working Nicole Smith's case. So they were kind of all working together at the time. But there was, I mean, like you said, this was over decades long. So there was one investigator that was there the day that Nicole Smith was raped. He worked on it until he died. And then he passed it on to another investigator. Now that investigator kind of did the brunt of this case and was friends with Nicole Smith's mom, the family. And he said they basically became like family in digging through the details of her case. Well, he ended up retiring. And then that's when the most recent detective came on the case and kind of took it over. And he's the one who used the genealogy and ended up finding this match. We were able to obtain uh, a sample of his DNA from some evidence um, that we had and got word just after Christmas that the uh, GBI forensics lab was able to match um, his DNA profile to the DNA profile obtained in Nicole's investigation and the unsolved um, rape of the victim in East Point. So as is often the case, it takes someone uh, like the investigator involved here to pick up on a case that's maybe been sitting around for a while and and needs some attention. It sounds like that's what happened here. Yeah, absolutely. And he even said when we were at um, the press conference speaking with him that it was when the Golden State Killer, when they kind of made that link in the case with genealogy and they said they use ancestry databases, that he he was sitting in his office and he looked at his lieutenant and he said, that's what we need to do. And so he said he um, worked with the mayor's office. He worked with GBI and they all, you know, approved the funding and uh, approved kind of a team to do this. And that's when they started working through um, these different ancestral databases, kind of similar to what they did with the Golden State Killer. And that's how they got down this road to finding out who this guy was. Right. And they they figure out who he, who he is. And they, in fact, tell Betty Brown who this person is. And perhaps part of the story that 
it is difficult for someone, I think, like Betty Brown, from what I've heard her say, although there there's certainly relief that, that he's not out there anymore, is that he's passed away. Yeah. And that's that's truly the tough part about this, because they want justice. Um, Betty Brown was super convicted when she spoke about how she wanted his family to be accountable because he was no longer here to be accountable. Um, and he did pass away. It was in August and they made the match in December. So, you know, he was never charged. Police actually never talked to him. Um, but now you're left with knowing who this guy is, but you can never face him. So Betty, when she spoke, she was saying that she wanted to speak to his family and she wanted them to feel, you know, the pain she felt and, and kind of bring justice to, to the situation for her because he was no longer here. That timing is so frustrating. The fact that he passed away in August and they identified him really just months later. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when, the, when Nicole Smith's mom was in there and, and Betty, they were together, they were, they were crying pretty much the whole time. And I think a lot of that just has to do with, they felt like they came so far and, and he's no longer here. So it's just a frustrating altogether process. That I'm sorry that we had to meet under these circumstances. It's okay. But I feel like we didn't get the closure that we needed, but we got some kind of resolution. I wouldn't ever say it was closure for me because I'll live with this pain for the rest of my life. And Nicole's mom was joined by her sister, and there were several other family members there. Um, Nicole Smith's sister was there as well with uh, Nicole's mother. So there was a, a gathering of family members there um, showing, you know, their response. And, and they had this similar response to Betty. It was just they were taking one day at a time, and it was frustrating. All of it was just frustrating. She didn't feel like she um, had any kind of closure. I know at the press conference they did not say the name of the man who's now been identified. Has his name been released to the public? Yes. So they have released his name now. A part of why they didn't want to release it then was because it was such an emotional um, setting with Nicole Smith's family there and Betty actually being there. And they didn't want to shift the narrative and, and give kind of the spotlight to this guy. So afterwards, they they did give us his name. And um, his name was Kelvin Arnold. And um, they did not give us his age or anything, but um, we had some sketches and drawings back from when the crimes happened that they had released. And, you know, he appeared to wear glasses. He was African-American. But yeah, his name is Kelvin Arnold. Do we know if he had any kind of record? And I'm sure people are asking, wondering if there could be other victims out there. Yeah, so he, according to police, he had no criminal record prior to this. Um, but you got to think at the same time, they didn't know he was the guy that did this until now. So yeah, we asked them at that press conference, do you believe there's other victims out there? And they they never said a definite no. It was kind of like seeing how these pieces have come together is motivating us to continue to work and, and you know, find these victims and find solve these cases. This case is so emotional. I mean, so many of them are, but when you hear Betty Brown speak and she was just, you know, a teenager at the time of this horrific experience and now, you know, a grown woman, but she's lived her life, much of her life with this, it really has an impact. Yeah, it definitely does. And she's now 
I mean, she's about my age. So when I was standing there, I was kind of thinking, my God, she's lived with this her entire life. And she's, she's a mother, she's in her thirties. And she just, she said there wasn't a day that went by that she doesn't like relive that crime. And I just can't even imagine what the last, you know, 15 years have been like for her. Brittany Kleinpeter at WXIA 11 Alive in Atlanta. Thanks very much for joining us and talking to us about this story. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to The Daily Crime. Be sure to check out our weekly show, True Crime Chronicles, available wherever you listen to podcasts. For Vault Studios, I'm Will Johnson. <laughs>